The reading can be found in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, and you can find it on page 1089 in the Pew Bibles. John, chapter 20, and I'm starting to read at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter, and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped round Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who'd reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. <clears throat> he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, <clears throat> tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told him that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom we have to praise your name, to read your word, and to listen to your voice. Please speak to us this morning. 
Amen. So, I wonder if you know what your name means. Do you know? Why don't you turn to somebody next to you, find out what their name is if you don't know it, and tell them, what, what does your name mean? It's a lovely name, isn't it? What a blessing. Before my children were born, I spent hours poring over books like this. Tell you what all the different names mean. Some are really quite funny, actually. Some are strange. Some have relevance within your own family. Some have beautiful or significant meanings. I expect young people Google it now. Um, but I love the book, and I think in any generation, people take a lot of care over choosing exactly what they'd like to call a child, because, well, names matter, don't they? A long time ago, there was a television series called The Prisoner. Do you remember it? Some of you might, some of you older persons. And, and in that television series, the central character was always saying, I have a name, I'm not a number. He was determined to be seen, to be recognized as an individual, to be known and to be valued. In Romeo and Juliet in Shakespeare, he said, um, a rose by any other name would sell it, smell as sweet. Meaning perhaps names aren't that important. But you know, I'm not sure I agree. To be known by name is a particular thing, isn't it? I, I used to be a teacher, and in the classroom, for all sorts of reasons, knowing your pupils by name is an important step in keeping good order in your classroom. Your name used harshly can hurt and sting more than many insults, but on the lips of a dear one, there are few things more beautiful. Calling someone by name acknowledges their value and confirms relationship. Speaking someone's name can be intimate. It can convey galaxies of emotion when words fail you otherwise. When people are bereaved, often the thing they miss the most is hearing their loved one say their name. So imagine, if you will, Mary's astonishment on this first Easter morning as day begins to break. I'm going to ask you to step into the story and imagine yourself in the shoes of Mary and the disciples. It might help to close your eyes to imagine. Poor Mary, exhausted, and torn by the pain of her loss, yet completely unable to sleep, set out before it was fully light. She headed towards the tomb where Jesus' body had lain for the last 36 hours, safely encased in a cave, carved out of the rock face, and sealed with a huge stone. Her intention 
was to honour Jesus by suitably preparing his body for burial with ointment and spices, a last act of love traditional in Jewish culture at the time. I'm sure, however, that she was weighed down more by her thoughts than by the bundles of spices that she was carrying. How could things have gone so badly wrong? How could it be that the one who loved so much in life could have been hounded to such a hate-fueled end? To her astonishment, when she arrived, the tomb had been broken open and Jesus' body was gone. Uncomprehending, she ran for help. Well, who wouldn't? John's Gospel account tells us Simon, Peter and John raced to the tomb and found that what Mary had reported was absolutely true. Jesus' body had disappeared. We're told in quite some detail how they found only the bandages lying in that cold, dark tomb. We're told that they saw with their own eyes and they believed and yet they did not understand. Sometimes in our walk of faith it's okay to admit to one another that we feel a bit like Simon Peter and John. We see evidence of God's hand at work and we believe we just don't quite understand. Peter and John went home to puzzle and reflect, leaving Mary weeping at the tomb. Jesus came to Mary in her darkest hour, but you know, she didn't recognize him. Now, whether it was her poor, swollen, tear-filled eyes or the half-light that was responsible, we don't really know. But when Jesus first appeared, Mary didn't realize who it was. She thought he was the gardener, maybe. He asked her why she was crying. Now, given that she was in a graveyard, this might be quite a strange question. But as always, Jesus was giving Mary an opportunity to speak her heart to him. Tell him exactly what was on her mind. Jesus is always with us in our darkest hour, and he wants us to share our heart with him. Sadly, like Mary, we're often too absorbed in our grief and our pain to recognize him at first. It was only when he spoke her name that suddenly the light of understanding dawned. Mary, beloved, hearing her name on his lips filled her with joy and she recognized him as Lord. She is acknowledged, recognized as precious and individually named. One word, charged with emotion, 
wipes away her tears and brings her into personal contact with Jesus, her risen Lord. Hundreds of years before, the prophet Isaiah wrote that the Lord said to his people, Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. Now, there is no suggestion that believers will avoid times of trial. As many of you here know only too well, walking the life of faith can be very challenging indeed. But Jesus calls you by name. He understands your pain and he wants to walk with you in it. He calls your name with love and tenderness. He sees you as a precious individual and he wants to be in relationship with you. Will you turn and recognize him as your Lord? Mary's journey that morning transformed her life. She went to the tomb of a man she had loved, but what she found there was not at all what she had expected, and her life would never be the same again. Instead of despair, she found hope. Instead of an end, she found a beginning. And she ran immediately to share that hope she had found with others. She was so excited, she couldn't keep it in. Whatever people would think of her, she didn't care. She wanted people to know that Jesus is alive. In her hour of distress, Jesus called her name and she turned and recognized him as Lord. It is a joyous moment in the gospel story, which has stretched our emotions to breaking point over the last few days. In truth, we don't much want Good Friday. It's a dark and solemn day, full of pain and loss. It forces us to engage with our own sin and unworthiness as we watch Jesus God's only son, die an unspeakable, cruel, and undeserved death in our place. Then comes Holy Saturday, a day full of numb emptiness, a day when we don't understand, a day when we're impatient to move on, to rush back to life and activity. But as with any grief, we must be patient for God is with us in our pain and our waiting. Then, finally, comes the dawn of Easter Sunday. We celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Early on the first day of the week, a new era begins. Just as Mary discovered new possibilities for life, lived in relationship with Jesus, so Easter Sunday greets us with the offer of new life, new hope for the future, new 
life in relationship with Jesus as we hear him calling our names. And if we turn and answer him, new love in the shape of relationship restored with our heavenly father and also with our brothers and sisters in Christ. New life, new hope, new love. If we are to wipe away our tears, to turn when we hear Jesus call our name, then we approach the future with new eyes. We do not look back and focus on all that has not worked out as we'd hoped it might. We don't pretend there's no story to tell and fling ourselves into frantic activity. Like Simon Peter and John, we can allow ourselves to see and to believe, even if we don't entirely understand. That understanding will grow as we walk in renewed relationship with Jesus. This morning, the first Easter service held by the Pope began in complete darkness. Then, one by one, candles were lit in the crowd, symbolizing the light that the resurrection brings gradually to our lives. Gradually, Easter hope replaces our fear and floods our life with new purpose and meaning. The gift Jesus offers is not some vague corporate-style giveaway manufactured without care and chosen without any real effort or meaning. But it is for everyone. It's personalized with your very own name on it. He knows you, he loves you, and he offers you new life. Like Mary, turning when we hear Jesus call our name is merely the first step. As we respond to his voice, perhaps tentatively at first, we begin a new life in relationship with him. And this Easter morning, together, we acknowledge, Alleluia, he is risen indeed. Amen. As we uh, wait for the children to come back,